Hi, welcome to the Layman's Journey. This week we'll be looking at the readings for May 24th, uh, 2020. Um, we found that there were two readings this weekend. Um, we chose the Ascension of the Lord. So when you're looking at the readings, uh, make sure you're looking at Ascension of the Lord. Uh, so it makes more sense when we're talking about it. So I'm your co-host, Raphael, and my co-host, James. James here. Is going to be leading us off with the antiphon. Men of Galilee. Why gaze in wonder at the heavens? This Jesus, whom you saw ascending into heaven, will return as you saw him go. Alleluia. So what did you think about the first reading? I think, so what, part of me is like the, I think the, the focus on the Holy Spirit is really fun for me. And is really, uh, I think, interesting because uh, it says here, well, I'm not from the reading, but like what I got was that the Holy Spirit provides the apostles with the strength to be Jesus's witnesses in uh, Jerusalem, which I think given the current scenario for them is like, it's hard, right? To be, I know we talked about this in our prior podcast, but it's hard to, you know, be the start of this movement, this faith when you're surrounded by everyone that just is not necessarily out to get you, but is not a fan of what you're preaching. Well, pretty much they hate your guts because you're calling them all hypocrites. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it kind of reminds me, you know, it's like the danger involved in early Christianity to speak out about your faith, yeah, and how they did it, anyways. Yeah, and I, you know, I think for at least myself, I feel pressured to speak out about my own faith in the way the world currently is. But it's like nothing compared to <laughs> what it must have been like for the the apostles. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a level of bravery. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting because like I think for us, if we get it, we just get like harsh words and criticism. But for them, it was like their lives they were putting at risk for it. Right, and I mean to some degree also like you could potentially lose your job or something like that too today. But it's still it's not you're not going to get stoned in the streets mm -hmm. or crucified. <laughs> That's uh, true. Yeah, I think it speaks a lot to the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Mm -hmm. because the Holy Spirit's guiding them, right? And what they achieved is clearly something greater than what mere humans could do on their own, right? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. There was a section in the first reading that I really liked. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I think, for me, this section about the Holy Spirit helping them be witnesses is, I don't know, it's just because our idea of witnesses in the current like, judicial system is like you're, you're called to tell the truth, right? You're called to proclaim what you've seen and what you saw. Right. I, I, I like how like they're saying it's like, you're going to be witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, but through all the ends of the earth, right? And then we learn that these apostles end up going throughout most of that landmass over there. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, it invigorated me in terms of, you know, this is their confirmation with the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit coming and completing their baptism for them. And we've had that too, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it kind of made me feel like I should be doing more, you know? <laughs> it's like I've had the same, like, the Holy Spirit's come to me too, and how come I'm not out there preaching to the end to the earth, you know? Mm -hmm. It's also, like, interesting because, like, there are very few parts of the world where Christianity hasn't touched. I'm not saying that we've, it's been spread everywhere, it's just like, 
it'd be really hard pressed for us nowadays to go to a land that hasn't heard about Catholicism. Right. And it'd be a different way of preaching it, right? Because I feel like for them, like they were introducing something completely new to each region that they visited, each city. Yeah. And to us, it's like, we want to preach the word, but everybody's heard it before. So we're just kind of trying to like reinvigorate people. Mm -hmm. For them, it's starting from scratch (laughs) (laughs) in a way. I mean, I guess it's kind of like it was built off of Judaism. And so it was kind of a change of what was already there, but still it was a lot of new moral code and everything. So I I like what you said about reinvigorating though. I think that is what, you know, you know, we want to go out there and we want to bring people closer to Christ. We want them to kind of see the truths that our our religion has, but it's just like, I, I think I have been stuck on this. Like, I'm like, how, how do I bring that out there? Because, you know, everyone's already heard it, you know, and they've heard it, but they're not accepting it, kind of. But I think this idea of reinvigorating people and, like, reinvigorating the word and, like, how to approach it seems like something that we could do feasibly, I guess. Right, right. And it, it just seems like so many people have heard the word and they don't live the word. Mm-hmm. And... um <laughs> I was just watching a Warhammer video the other day, and it's that like creed that the Space Marines say, where their entire existence is to serve the Emperor's will and to die for the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, how amazing would it be if every Catholic had a, this in their mind at all times, that their entirety of their existence was to serve God's will and to die doing God's works? I just thought that would be like amazing, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it's for to sure. have that kind of a commitment, right? It's like these—that's what makes you unstoppable, right? Is that kind of a commitment to something? And it's not like how strong you are, how good of a fighter you are. If it's if everybody that's on your team has that level of commitment, like there's no way you can lose, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of commitment is just lacking in modern christians um you know myself included where it's like every single minute of every day should be to praise god's name right Mm. (laughs) and to his works Uh, and i don't necessarily think like that is it's it's not our fault entirely i feel like yes we could step up we could do more because i agree with you i'm in the same boat as yours it's like you know i don't live every moment of my life with that in mind and and it's just like but it seems like societally we preach about compassion and mercy to like, like that, that, you know, as a society, we should be caring about people. We should be helping out the poor. We should be, you know, helping those less fortunate than us. Like, that's like, that's why it seems like what everyone in media and society is saying, but then when it comes down to it, we don't do it. it like, right. And like, and then the Catholic church provides a lot of services. We have the Catholic relief services, mm-hmm. um, the Holy Orders, each all do their own stuff. I know the Jesuits have volunteers all around the world with the Jesuit Service Corps. Holy yeah, Cross well, has... Go ahead. I think, I think a big part of that is mostly that the societal pressure um, and media pressure is not so much preaching compassion, but preaching tolerance. And it's mm-hmm. it's telling people that they need to tolerate everything around them because tolerance is a virtue and like you know you have to be tolerant of everybody it's like we aren't called to be tolerant we shouldn't be tolerant of evil like being tolerant is itself a sin Mm -hmm. 
that doesn't mean we can't be compassionate, but compassion mm-hmm. is like a totally different thing. And, and I feel like tolerance has latched onto compassion and it's like a, it's like a false flag, like a, you know, a fake version of compassion that's fed to people now mm-hmm. where we aren't really doing the compassionate thing, but we feel like we are because we think we are. <laughs> and I, I think, I think what you're going is kind of where I was trying to get at. It's like this idea of like, you're right. Like tolerance, um, we're selling it as compassion, but like it's different from being okay with something happening and not speaking out about it, than taking actions to like rectifying it. Right? Like right. just just because you see a bunch of homeless people on the street and you're not you know crying out to the police to get rid of them doesn't make you a compassionate person, right? It just right. means that you're aware of it but you're not doing anything. Whereas compassion in that scenario would be like, how would we help them get off the streets? How do we provide them with a home? Food. Right. Or like if I see you doing something damaging to your soul, the mm-hmm. tolerant thing would be to just tolerate it and be fine with it, you know, accept you as the person you are. Um, the compassionate thing would be to take you aside and give you a talk and be like, hey, look, man, this is not healthy for you. This isn't going to get you to heaven. Mm-hmm. That's true compassion even though that's a hard talk and you might get pissed at me for doing it or I'd get pissed at you if it was vice versa. But that's the truly compassionate thing to do because you're looking out for the person's soul, not mm-hmm. just like this physical. And I think kind of goes back to what we talked about, I think last week with the idea of like to face suffering in while doing the will of the Lord is not bad, right? Because, like, there are going to be hardships, right? Like, you know, like you said, having those tough conversations with your friends is not going to be easy, right? Like, if you have a bad advice and I go up to you and I talk to you about it, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, I think our our nature is to defend ourselves and not necessarily be prideful about it, but, like, having someone talk to you in that way is is hard and i think that you're right it's easier to just tolerate people's negative traits than to and i think the key point here is compassionately reach out to them not not judgmentally not right. through condemnation but through compassion right and it, it is hard because even no matter how compassionately you word it it can always be taken as a personal attack right mm-hmm. if you're not ready to receive criticism it can be really difficult to receive criticism, mm-hmm. right? As a musician, I'll give you the example of like, if you're going to a clinic and you want people to tell you things to work on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like you play for them and then you got some guys there that are pro musicians and they give you a clinic, they tell you what's wrong, what you can do better and all that kind of stuff. You're prepared mentally to receive that criticism. You're like, this is mm-hmm. what I'm here for. But if you're playing a concert, for an audience and after the concert over every person that comes up to you afterward tells you things you can work on it's a lot harder to take right yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's sure. just yeah. a total mental shift where it's like we aren't always ready to receive that criticism mm-hmm. and it, it's not even necessarily criticism but but you feel it like you take it as such right right exactly exactly and it's like with all of the best intentions it can still be taken badly so it's it is difficult to have that conversation with people but i think it's it's something that we're called to do right that's mm-hmm. our job <laughs> so and i i think like ties going back to the first reading it's like that's the idea of confirmation right is we are gifted with the holy spirit to help us have those conversations like right. to help us find the words that we 
we don't have or we don't necessarily know like to to reach that person right and i feel right. like the holy spirit is something that we can rely on for those conversations and right. and to give us the courage yeah for, especially the courage i think for sure but yeah no i think yeah that's the first reading was like was a lot about the holy spirit for me and that's kind of mm-hmm. and this idea of like we're spreading the news and then i guess in our case reinvigorating it right showing people that even though this has been taught to the world even though the world knows that there is so much more you can still get out of it because i think you and me have have seen this and when we're looking at the readings for the last couple weeks is that we always we're drawing and seeing connections from the past and the present and how it's relevant right shall we move on to the psalm uh yeah would you like to read the psalm for us god mounts his throne to shouts of joy a blare of trumpets for the lord now when i was reading this i kind of thought if everyone saw God mounting his throne today, would we be shouting for joy? We have a trumpet fanfare. <laughs> I could just because I was on that line of like, people aren't invigorated, right? Mm-hmm. Like, would anybody even care? You know, and I, I feel like that's a little bleak, and I think people would. But at the same time, it's like, there's this level of excitement, right? in mm. this time for Christianity that we don't have today where it's a new thing being born in the world, you know, and mm. all of the new Christians that are being converted are obviously going to be very excited about this new faith. And I just was like thinking, what could we possibly do to kind of bring that back, you know, <laughs> that level yeah. of energy? Cause it's just like, there's clearly a lot of energy here. You know, and I just don't, you don't see it so much in the world today. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, a couple of things, well, I guess go off of your point first, but like this idea of the energy you're talking about is right. Like, I, I definitely feel that. Like, I go to mass and like everyone that goes to mass, at least in the parishes I've gone to recently, is like, it's there because it's an obligation. They go um, and they, they take it relatively seriously, but it's like, it's like a habit now, right? We're not there to like, be joyful about um second and then you know when I, I there is a level of you know adoration and reverence that needs to be had but i think you're right the level of invigoration and excitement isn't just isn't there anymore or quite there yeah and i actually i think the current situation kind of brought that out a little bit which i think is good mm-hmm. but like i went to mass last weekend we only had a few people there you had to like sign up for a raffle right and i was <laughs> i was lucky to get chosen uh, i felt very blessed but when you go, the other people, the other few people that are there are all the people that put the effort out to, you know, sign up to get their name drawn mm-hmm. and really want to go that extra step and, you know, put themselves at risk to a certain level. Um, although it was very, very safe, I think, in the way it was managed. But still, you know, it's like you're getting kind of like a boiled down. These are the people that really care. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, it was like, every single person was so intent on the mass because we've all been missing. Mm -hmm. And so that was really cool. I was like, man, I wish it was like this for every person every week, you know, that would be amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. No, I I think for sure. I think like that is a wonderful way of looking at it. It's a wonderful opportunity to to see and share with other people that have like the same, like you said, you have to go out of your way to sign up for it. And then you have to, you know, be lucky enough to get chosen for that given week and i think that it's awesome that we get to kind of kind of 
I guess have that excitement for mass, right? Because mm-hmm. we're so used to going to it every week that this time away kind of reminds you of how important it was to our lives. Right, exactly, yeah. And even just, we couldn't do music per se, but we still sang the mass parts in Latin. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I had missed singing. Yeah, for sure. And growing up, I always hated singing. Like, I, I absolutely hated singing. But singing mm-hmm. the mass parts in Latin, is just like, oh, this is amazing. It's so cool. <laughs> you know it's like how come i can't have this every week <laughs> but another point kind of going off of that is a blare of trumpets for the lord so i was like i'm not too familiar with the word blare um so i looked it up and it's like it's like the sound of just like it's not necessarily coherent sound but it's like a lot of sound right and i think this kind of speaks to it is like when we're expressing joy for the Lord, it doesn't have to be orderly, right? Not everyone has to be cheering at the same volume at the same time. It's just this idea is like the joy is so much and so encompassing that you just can't help yourself but be joyful, right? And right. and I think like that kind of joy is not orderly. It's not you're not gonna be in sync about it. Everyone's gonna be cheering at their own rate, cheering at the like the top of their their lungs mm-hmm. or like as loud as they possibly can. I Right, it's not going to be cohesive music. It's just as much as you can give. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was like a, just like a really beautiful way of looking at this because, like, you know, we're like it's so joyful that everyone is cheering at the loud or like uh, you know as much as they can without waiting for someone else. Right. I it kind of just reminded me of like the elation that King David showed. You know, when he went in front of his um, procession into the city. And he was just like stripped naked and just like danced for joy for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's like that seems so weird to us, but it's the same kind of thing where it's just like this pure elation mm-hmm. at the power of God, and it, like you just give everything to it, you know. And mm-hmm. that that's kind of what the blare of trumpets made me think of. It's just this kind of like almost crazy, you know, crazed level of joy. Yeah. Shall we move on to the second reading? Uh, for me, the second reading is something that I think like we've gone over before, either in church or like it's just like this idea that reminded that Jesus died for us and all of our sins, past, present, and future. And it's just like the the past and present ones, like that one is like okay, yeah, I gotta see that. You know, like he's seen it all, he's felt it all. Um, that kind of makes sense. But like to give oneself up for future sins just like it baffles me i guess because like for me personally it's like i don't know what's coming in the future and 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 for what i got from this reading is that jesus forgave us you know humanity all of humanity for all of its sins in the future as well and i think baffling is still the word i'm stuck with (laughs) right and and with the knowledge at the level of sins we would still commit you know Mm -hmm. If you could see the future of a person and see all these sins in their future, would you want to give your life up for them? You know, and Jesus saw all of that and gave his life life up for all of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's just incredibly powerful. I like the last sentence. And he put all things beneath his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. I just felt that that was 
empowering, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where it's, it's just like the church is the head. It's the, the leadership of God in humanity. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's necessarily given the respect that it's due. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but it's cool. You know, it's like, it's, it makes you feel empowered hearing that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think like what you're saying is the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. It's just like, yeah, I think you're right. We don't give the church enough credit. The church as a whole is designed to care for its people, you know, spiritually, physically, and in every way possible. And I think that we forget that the, because I think where we live, at least we're, um, we're doing okay with our lives and but in other places of the world, the church is providing shelter, care, education to others um, that need it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, just that the church is the fullness mm-hmm. of the one who fills all things in every way. The church is the fullness of God. It goes back to that, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. Mm-hmm. The church really is God's presence on earth. It's like he is present in our communion with each other and with him mm-hmm. and that just is very cool to me <laughs> you know because it doesn't seem it seems like we're just like little fleas you know like the specks that don't matter at all but then it's like this is telling us here that yes we matter we are we are the fullness of god and god completes us mm-hmm. but we are still something you know he cares about us our souls matter mm-hmm. And I think this kind of also refers to something he said in the last podcast is like this idea that while there may be like a a hierarchy with human beings, like, you know, a structure and stuff, when it comes to souls, all of them are important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to read the Alleluia for us? Alleluia. 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 Go and teach all nations, says the Lord. I am with you always until the end of the world. Alleluia. Kind of, to my brain, sort of a call to arms. <laughs> Not necessarily like physical arms, but like bringing his word to all nations' arms. Yeah. You got to go out there and teach people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know why, but I guess like I'm still like wrapped up on this. I think, I think this idea is like, we're not necessarily making sure everyone has heard the word of the Lord or knows about the word of the Lord. I think what it's about now is calling us to be reinvigorated in that and to find a newfound appreciation or a passion for it. Right. Right. It's not about, Oh yeah, we, we've heard it. It's something that's in our lives. It's, it's not, it's goes beyond that is what we're called to do. We're, we're, we're supposed to help people, you know, understand that, find that and, you know, grow in it in their own ways. Right. Like work with it. In, in a sense, I guess. Yeah. I am with you always until the end of the world. It, I, I have a very military brain, but it made me think of like, I have a shield and it's God. And God is my shield protecting me. And mm-hmm. my sword is the Holy Spirit and truth. Mm-hmm. With these things, I can do anything. Like if God is with me always until the end of the world, what do I have to be afraid of? You know, yeah. it's like, like there's nothing that can touch me because I've got God, you know, and to me, that was very encouraging. Just I like that.
you get anything from the gospel? I, I feel like something is there. I'm, I'm going to piggyback off you. Do you have anything? I just like this first sentence. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but they doubted. It kind of brought me back to that doubting Thomas situation, you know, where it's like they, they're, they're there. They see him. Mm-hmm. They can hear him. And they still doubt. Mm-hmm. And that was just like it kind of shows that they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this gospel, Jesus tells them to go out and make disciples of all nations. And it's, it, it is, again, kind of that call to arms where it's like, this is your job. This is what you're going to do. He's telling them. Mm-hmm. And just that they had that doubt, you know, it shows that their humanity to me, yeah. right? Like it's so easy to kind of put them up on this pedestal of, oh yeah, those are the apostles and they did a lot of really cool stuff and they're epic. Okay. But they were also human. Like they had doubts, they had fears and mm-hmm. they overcame those doubts and fears to do all the stuff that they did. But they were still human, just like we're human. And, you know, we could achieve what they've achieved because we're all human. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. They had the same doubts and fears that we have, and they still did it all. Mm-hmm. And it's it's powerful. <laughs> I I think I definitely agree with that. Especially the when they saw him, they worship but they doubted. It's like you're you're right. They had they're human, they have their fears, they have their doubts, but they still they still did it. Like they still worshipped him, they still prayed and they still believed, but they still had those doubts. And I think it's reassuring to, you know, I guess us laymen especially that we can't like you like you said, we can do these wonderful things. Like the Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit will provide us with strength and courage. And it's okay for us to have doubts, right? Just because we have doubts doesn't make us less faithful or less, I guess, Christian in that sense. Because like like you, right here it shows that they're they are very human and we are too and we should remember that. Right. I think the analogy I would draw there is like the courageous man doesn't not feel fear. Mm-hmm. He is afraid of things. He just faces those fears. And it's the same with the holy man. He doesn't mean he never doubts his faith. It's just that in those moments of doubt, he stays strong to his faith, even though he's doubting it. You know, mm-hmm. And I, I think that just kind of shows their character, right? Like <laughs> they had these doubts, they had these fears, and they faced them. And we can too. We also have the Holy Spirit, just like they did. Mm-hmm. I think it's, a, it's I think it's a testament to our faith and how much that they believed in it, that they were willing to express that these eleven disciples had had doubt, right? Because they could have easily omitted this. Like you don't have to write about. Right. out of your leaders but no they said like these 11 disciples they saw him they talked to him and then like you said with the thomas thing you know they even asked for evidence and proof but they still like they still doubted which is mm-hmm. it's like in the face of that they still doubted but they still stuck to their faith right and i think that it's an example we can look to right right yeah like we we don't necessarily have these miracles happening in front of us, but that doesn't mean that our faith means any less to us. Right. I do believe that there are still miracles and stuff that happen, but obviously not for everyone. It is it is just 
yeah, encouraging in that way that they they give this example of we also doubted, we were fearful, but we persevered mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit, you know, and it's yeah, it's it's just it's very cool to me. And it ended, of course, again with the "I am with you always until the end of the age." That line that we hear in the uh, gospel acclamation, mm-hmm. where it's just that to me that line in itself is like everything you need. <laughs> You know, because it's like God is with you. Like, what else do you need? Right. It's like you can face anything with that. Mm -hmm. Or at least I feel like I should be able to. And yet I still, (laughs) you know, fail and fear things and don't act when I should act and stuff like that. But it's like there are moments of the clarity that you can get this like, wow, I could like nothing could ever touch me, you know. Mm. And I think. Um, it's like those moments that, you know, we, we try to hang on to those, but I think Augustine put it in a really good way. It's like, we have these moments where we feel extremely and connected with the Lord, but then it kind of falls away through our own mortal will, right? We mm-hmm. get distracted by something. We remember that we have to, oh, I didn't, you know, put the stuff in the freezer or something. And it's like little thoughts creep up and then get in the way of that, even though we try to hold on to it. Right. I mean, I think that is very true. Like everything in your daily life, it's if we could all hold on to that kind of energy, feeling like God is with us through every moment of every day, things would be a lot easier. <laughs> you know, it 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 would be because it's like all of your little trials and tribulations would seem so much lighter. Mm-hmm. But it's so easy to get distracted. Yeah. So I think that kind of speaks to the importance of prayer and setting aside specific time for prayer because it kind of gives you that moment even if it's only a single moment to recharge you know and recenter yourself on what's important and i think it kind of harkens back to like what you were saying about god is your shield right kind of remembering that as you go through your day as you face hardships like like you said i think just remembering that god is with you always helps lightens up those moments of difficulty but also brings more joy to those moments of happiness right because you know right. that you're sharing it you're sharing that moment with the lord and you can also at the same time be grateful and show your gratitude in that moment right exactly and it's like you know he's not just with you when you're in a church building or when you're kneeling in prayer he's with you always and that's very cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, the gospel is pretty um, short this week. Do you have anything else to kind of pull from it? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Where's your nations? Come on. Uh, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm going to start small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I mean, that's, yeah, we're getting close to 40 minutes, so we can wrap up. Do you have any other thoughts before we wrap up and then go into like a closing prayer? I'll read out the communion antiphon and see what we think. All right. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Alleluia. If that hadn't been made clear already, God is with you always, even until the end of the age. <laughs> I think with that in mind, with God's eternal presence with us. Um, move into the closing prayer then? Yeah. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for always being with us until the end of the age through all the world. And I ask that 
we continue to bring glory to your name and that hopefully this podcast in some small ways helps invigorate your word to those that listen to it. So let's move into the our prayer intentions. I'd like to pray for all those uh, families out there that are separated from loved ones, that they feel connected to each other and know that in this time you are present and your presence can help us feel like we are in communion with each other. I'd like to pray for everyone in the world at any point in their lives where they are struggling to remember that you are with them always and that you will protect them and guide them. For all these prayers and intentions spoken out loud and held within our hearts, we pray to you, Lord. We found this prayer to the Holy Spirit that we're going to share with you today. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same spirit, help us to relish what is right, and always rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.